The following is a conversation with Oleksandr Kucherenko. Oleksandr first appeared on the podcast about a week or two after the invasion of Ukraine. He is a Ukrainian living in Poltova, which is a eastern city in uh, Ukraine. And he's someone I've been keeping in contact with just to understand what it might be uh, looking like from the Ukrainian perspective on the ground there. He has organized this amazing, amazing fundraising initiative, which so far has raised more than 20,000 euros, where he is literally getting messages from his friends and friends of friends who were serving in the front lines um, of things that they need. And he goes, okay, let me go and get it. And it goes directly to them. So if you're thinking about charity, it's the most direct application of your money that I think you could possibly come across when it comes to this conflict. Links to the contact information and uh, ways to help Alexander is at the top of this podcast description. So as you're listening throughout and him explaining the things that they're buying and what it's going towards, um, please, you know, take note that you'll be able to find it there. In this podcast, Alexander and I speak about how he smuggled his family out of Ukraine, um, what he's learned about humanity over the last 100 days, all of the good, but then also all of the bad, a bit of the economic situation on the ground, how the cost of living has changed, um, and as well, some of the horrors of war, but also um, a great story of the heroes of war. Um, And then finally, we spend the last 30 to 40 minutes speaking about what is it about Ukraine that makes it so exceptional throughout this conflict? Are they, you know, what, what, where, where does this strong sense of patriotism come from? Is it a cultural thing? Um, is it, um, does it have something to do with Ukraine? Does it have something to do with the people? Does it have something to do with the history? Is it a little bit of all of it? Um, it was very interesting to hear Alexander uh, reflect on that very question, because I think for us, um, and I'm assuming that there aren't many Ukrainian listeners to this podcast, but for the rest of us, uh, Ukraine's really been held up as this amazing example of resilience uh, in the last 100 days, and you know for good reason, clearly. But now, the following is a conversation with Alexander Kucherenko. With no further ado, here is the man himself. Alexander, it's been actually today marks 100 days since the invasion. Yeah. So, just off the top, you know, how are you, and and how is your family? I'm lucky to be safe and, uh, and, and, and sound, my family as well. Uh, we are all good, uh, doing whatever we can to support the fastest victory for Ukraine. Okay, and so uh, tell me a little bit what that looks like. Sort of, you, you smuggled your family out. Do you want to say the story of how they did that and how that might be a reflection of how millions of other families have had to work in Ukraine? Yeah, uh, our story is, uh, it, it may sound a bit, uh, you know, um, extraordinary for, for people who live normal life, but comparing to other stories in Ukraine, that's just uh, was an easy walk, uh, so to say. Yeah, we, we, uh, the day when Russians hit uh, uh, atomic station with tank, uh, that day I decided I have to move my family as far as I can from uh, from Poltava because you never know and it was still not clear if the onland troops will make it to Poltava they were like uh, 100 kilometers or, or less away from, from the city so it was not clear what will happen next so we just packed and uh, I drive them 
to the border. It took us normal, it normally takes like 15 hours of drive, but it took us like 45 or 50 hours of drive that the same, the same distance. It was a bit, a bit difficult. It was uh, still winter. Uh, like, well, it was in March actually, but but it was still cold and snowy. And so we packed all our mm, family, including pets, two dogs, two cats, and uh, my son, my my wife, and uh, her parents. We packed it into cars and we drive it. Through U- through all of Ukraine to western border border and which then, country border? Uh, it was Hungary. It was Hungary uh, because we have a friend in Budapest. Uh, so from the border, they went to directly to Budapest to our friend. Then stayed there for a night, and uh, from there they went to northern Italy. It's a South Tyrol province. Um, yeah, and they stayed there for all that time. So talk to me about the 45-hour drive. So what did you see and, and were, there, were there moments where you were worried and stuff like that? Yes, it was, it was worrying from the very beginning. Uh, we planned everything, we packed uh, cars and uh, we planned that we go together with other families it was uh, planned to have like 10 cars in uh, in like together going together and uh, the first thing was that when we wake up uh, like yesterday was plus plus seven or, or plus eight degrees and everything was sunny and then next morning when we plan to to uh, depart early we wake up and it's like 10 centimeters of snow uh, and and like minus one so part of our group who were on other cars they even managed to switch to summer tires before uh, leaving so in, just in case that they will go further to Europe so they don't have to like drive on winter tires yeah and they didn't make it through the first few kilometers so they had to go back and and change tires oh, shit that would have been dramatic you know yeah, and they were. Did you wait afraid. for them? Um, no, we just we just go further, uh, but we 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 go slow so um, they could make it, and and, and like um, yeah, uh, yeah. So first day we drive like uh, two hundred fifty or three hundred kilometers. That's all. Uh, it was the the main road was all full of. Uh, people live in Ukraine it was like three rows of cars in one way and just one row backwards so we didn't take that main road because it was crazy people were getting angry to each other and uh, they were you know uh, taking over each other and they were uh, messing with the people on the uh, the standpoints uh, w- w- where army was checking documents and everything so it was a bit uh, nervous and we went using small roads so that's why it took so long because the roads were bad and uh, we couldn't go fast we, we, we just like could make 90 km per hour as a top speed mm. And what did you see along the way? Did you see a lot of devastation? 
or did it no feel no uh, we we went to the western part so we saw just we saw just uh, villages and we saw sc- scared people uh, uh, we were surprised by the level of u- unity uh, of Ukrainians. Uh, it was uh, heartbreaking to see when you're driving on these rural roads. Y- there are no fancy gas stations where you can get a coffee and croissant and everything. So uh, you, you don't like you don't have a chance to to stop by and uh, have a rest or something. And what people did, locals in these small villages, they just made pit stops for travelers. They, they set up a kind of a tent and with a warm tea and with some food, with free fruits and everything. And they literally begged us to stop and, and take a rest and eat there. And you know, when uh, old man stands with... Uh, all that he has is just apples and he's standing on the side of the road and asking people to stop over and take some apples from him just like that's everything he can do and yeah we were just crying uh, it was it was difficult yeah we so so for overnight we stopped at the kid kindergarten because all hotels and all um, apartments were booked all over the way so the only chance to have a, a night sleep was to uh, use volunteering contacts so we we stopped over in um, kindergarten and slept on floor with other families there uh, then next day we stopped over in another city with friends who who managed to uh, just in a short notice of few hours they managed to organize uh, overnight stay for 15 people uh, and it, we all stayed in apartments and houses of their friends and relatives and it was so also so uh, warm welcome when we were driving uh, near Vinnytsia uh, we saw two rockets in the sky uh, Russian rockets heading to Vinnytsia airport and uh, in 15 minutes we got news that uh, f- I guess four or five rockets hit that airport so we literally saw them coming uh, with us th- there was also a family who just gave birth to their kid and the kid uh, two or three days old was driving all the way through oh this y- you imagine 50 hours of drive yeah. and they have <laughs> like they have three kids so uh, three kids one of them is th- three days old and all this cold uh, icy road yeah it was a bit scary to drive at night for example when it's like 10 or 11 uh, at night and you just uh, drive through small villages and uh, everything is dark and you just uh, f- from from the darkness someone with a gun uh, com- comes out and stops you to check that was a bit scary especially when you drive with children in car 
Yeah, but uh, those pe- were all Ukrainian soldiers uh, just checking up. So yeah, it, it felt safe. Uh, so the most the most uh, disturbing what I saw was these lines of cars going west. Uh, it was uh, it was uh, the gas stations were empty. You, know, you didn't have a chance to refuel normally, so you had to uh, look for gas, look for diesel, for example, for our car. Where, where do you find it if the gas station is closed? Uh, yeah, you just, if you're lucky, some of the gas stations are st- still have some, some, some fuel. You, you can, you can go uh, like 10 or 15 kilometers away from your road and then uh, you can find a gas station there. Or, or we also took some fuel with us in, uh, in like canisters. Yeah. But 45 hours driving, you must have gone through three or four tanks mm, no actually uh, it's like it's it's the the time of drive is long but distance is slow and when you go slow uh, you, you don't spend much fuel so yeah it was okay uh, I think two two tanks I, I, I rent uh, on two tanks because uh, I have a diesel you mentioned the old man, you know, the only thing he has to offer is, I mean, apart from his support, but the only thing he can give someone is maybe these apples and he's on the side of the road pleading with you to take them. Yeah. Um, so what have you learned about humanity? You've seen clearly amazing um, gestures of humanity. Um, I'm assuming maybe some selfishness from some Ukrainians as well. Um, what have you, how has the last hundred days sort of shifted your worldview when you think about it? Yeah. Um, the, you know, the most common uh, feeling now among all Ukrainians, at least most of Ukrainians all over the world, is that uh, a bit of shame that we don't do enough for other Ukrainians and for for the country and uh, the reason for that feeling comes from seeing such examples when we when you see someone giving the last uh, to others not thinking about themselves you you of course you compare it to what you do and 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 you think like okay he has almost nothing and he he is doing this and I have this and that and um, what can I do and why I do so small (laughs) Um, yeah so the main shift uh, is that uh, is that you know war it lights up uh, the best and the worst uh, the worst uh, sides of uh, people and 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 uh, i'm happy that uh, that we have so much uh, good in us and that the people around the world also have so much love and support to us and yeah so uh, yeah, I'm, I'm 
surprised with that. I didn't expect that much support. Even uh, when I'm start, I started this campaign, the comments I receive when when I get money to my PayPal, these mm. comments just uh, break my heart. It's it's crazy how what they if you you get uh, hundred fifty or or um, or twenty dollars to your PayPal as a donation, and then what they what they write. This is just regular people from from all over the world, and what they say. Someone say, um, I'm teaching uh, refugees, uh, Ukrainian refugees, uh, kids in uh, Holland, and uh, here is my hundred to support you, what you're doing. And someone says, uh, like, um, we always stand with you, we follow you daily, make Putin pay, final victory will come for Ukraine. <laughs> and, you know, this these comments just... Uh, yeah, they, they just raise the spirit so much. I plan to make a separate post about it and then just um, to, to let my friends know and see how much support we, we receive. So tell me about this um, initiative and this campaign then. Uh, yeah, so basically, uh, first first few weeks, first months, a lot of people uh, asked how they can help but it was not clear yet uh, to th- how they can help, except uh, sending funds to to the main big uh, accounts, for example, of Ministry of Defense or big uh, big funds like Pertula Fund and Save Life Foundation. Uh, there were l- not much other initiatives, and uh, since then it uh, happened so that. Um, Many friends of uh, my family, many people uh, that I know, they went to army, and uh, when they went there, uh, they gave us some feedback. For example, we don't have uh, something like a Kevlar uh, helmet or nice and lightweight uh, body armor or for example drone or thermal scope uh, or a 4x4 vehicle to evacuate uh, wounded and it was too long to wait for uh, big foundations to provide it and it was too long to wait for government to provide it so we started to help directly so when you know someone who is in need you start to help him and uh, when we ran out of uh, funds of personal funds we started to collect it from friends relatives and uh, and uh, from people we know abroad from from the ukrainians abroad or from from colleagues from from customers <laughs> from uh, from er- everyone who has uh, a chance to support um, sorry there's a car uh, yeah. So when when we collected first uh, f- last month we collected like uh, twenty thousand euro or something uh, in general uh, we we brought eight thermal scopes two four by four cars uh, we brought some um, boots some some clothes food um, and uh, energy. Uh, 
you know, snacks and everything. So, uh, and this time we started another campaign and I thought that it is not that uh, easy for uh, foreigners to just send money and, uh, and uh, don't get anything in return. Uh, so I thought it would be uh, more, it will make people feel more uh, related, more uh, connected when they receive something in return that they can see and then they can show to other people and that will probably motivate their friends and relatives and anyone they will meet to also donate and support this initiative. So we printed out some t-shirts and hoodies and then my colleague and I, uh, we were thinking about the name and we came up with this hoodies for goodies uh, so yeah the idea is now that every month we will uh, issue a limited number of branded hoodies uh, we can uh, probably even state that uh, July or June 2022 uh, campaign number three uh, it's, and then one of uh, 20 hoodies uh, like you know like this uh, fancy branded cars mm. expensive cars mm. what they do <laughs> it's the such a, it's such a good idea man you're um you're appealing to the signaling value like that's i think that's such a terrific idea you know <laughs> yeah thanks, to have limited thanks. edition to, so people can signal later on and say hey look yeah look, yeah look how early <laughs> i donated to this guy yeah, yeah, so they feel they feel connected, they feel re related. They they can uh, com confirm that at this a certain period of time they uh, donated uh, and based on based on is it hoodie or is it t-shirt or is it a shopper bag, uh, they can show off and say I donated this much and I donated this much and and I think that would work out. So I promoted yeah. Yeah, I promote it on my Instagram for now, but I, I plan to make a website as well. And we should appeal to the audience as well, uh, those who can assist, I suppose, with maybe design options. Um, oh, we have, we have, we have. Um, where would you need assistance apart from donations? Uh, the best would be to share it, spread the information. Uh, um, my idea is to um, accept for donations uh, that will also help local manufacturers and local designers uh, we have a very talented local designers in Poltava and I will pay them for their work uh, so I will pay them from for their work and then uh, I will buy hoodies from local manufacturer and then um, it they will make a really really small discounted price for everything so most of the funds will go for uh, volunteering initiatives and just just like uh, I think uh, five percent will be uh, spent on the actual cost, but still it will support uh, families of people who work there in Poltava. That would be so. So just spreading the word and and supporting and keeping an eye on uh, the, our progress. That would be the best support we can get from from our audience. Man, it's, um, it's really incredible, the fact that you have been able to generate this much energy towards the cause. I mean, you've already raised 20,000 euros. It's exceptional stuff. Um, and I, I think it's also great 
um, because when I was speaking to my girlfriend about it, you know, there is a, um, there's such a distance between donating to a giant branded charity organization because you hear so much about the corruption and you don't know whether the money is actually going to go towards a cause that you necessarily might think it does. And it can sort of just relieve your conscious, uh, conscious, conscious, relieve your conscious momentarily that you've, you know, given to the cause. But I think the fact that it's just you and a couple of other people directly spending the money and like you sent me photos of the cars that you bought and stuff. It's so cool that, um, and I guess it's also a a feature of, of modernity, you know, and warfare going forward and humanitarian issues going forward. You can have that direct accountability, like immediately, look, this is what your money bought us. You know, that's amazing. Um, and so that's super cool. Uh, I, I think that the limited edition merch is genius as well because it just ticks all the right boxes. You can also charge more for it then per, per item. So terrific stuff. Um, to tell, tell us where the campaign is sort of right now, how much money have you raised in total? Do you have a goal? Um, you know, what are the socials? Yeah. So, uh, right now, uh, I came up with this idea like two weeks ago. And since then, I was able to print uh, like um, 10, 10 hoodies and uh, maybe uh, 20 t-shirts and then like 10 or 12 uh, shopper bags. So I, I, I didn't know how it will uh, end up and I didn't know I didn't have this idea of limited edition and every month's uh, issue I didn't have it like uh, till a few days ago because before I was just thinking to uh, I was the the initial intent was to give something in return to people who donate because I feel so grateful and I feel that people need something to to look at and to touch and to, to feel that they are connected but uh, now yeah we didn't the goal was to to collect funds for fueling cars Uh, we we bought uh, we and our uh, partners uh, because the the main group is four people and everyone uh, of these four is collecting funds from wherever we can and uh, uh, we also help other small groups like us to to go forward with the initiative. So this time we will deliver four cars to Ukraine, uh, two pickup trucks from UK. Donated uh, part of money was donated f- uh, to to our group. Part of money was brought uh, by other volunteers. Uh, one guy. A Ukrainian guy uh, took it uh, from UK to Italy uh, so he drove it himself uh, and also filled it with some goods for uh, soldiers in Kharkiv so this car will go to Kharkiv and there's another one coming so my idea was to at least collect for fuel because we need about 350 euro uh, to fuel one car uh, from Europe to Ukraine or to Kharkiv directly to Poltava uh, or further. So my idea was just at least to collect for diesel for these cars. Uh, but uh, since few days ago, 
uh, we already uh, collected enough to fuel the cars and we still have money to uh, partially pay for drone and also t for a tablet to use w together with this drone. Uh, so uh, next month we will have exact goals but this time we just uh, it was a bit spontaneous we, we were uh, we were covering that requests we, we received from uh, from people we know on the front lines we just get re requests from them and then we hope that we can collect uh, funds for them uh, sometimes uh, we are uh, lucky to collect it sometimes not but uh, but i will systematize all of this uh, in yeah, coming yeah. Uh, in coming days and and make it more visual and and uh, easy to you've mentioned a few times um sort of the price of fuel access to food i'd be really curious to know how the cost of goods has uh, changed for you in Poltava um, and the anecdotes you might hear from fellow Ukrainians throughout the country. Have things become ridiculously expensive? Are there fuel shortages? Are the shelves empty? Um, how does all this look like? And if it's not empty, how the hell are things coming in there? Uh, shelves are full. Uh, fuel shortages, uh, yeah, there are full fuel shortages, uh, but the reason for that was that price was not uh, like um, realistic i mean not uh, because we don't buy now from russia so uh, if uh, one liter costs two euro in europe right uh, why should and we buy it from europe how can it cost one euro in ukraine where do we get that <laughs> difference so it's it's pretty logical that now uh, the price uh, is about two euro per per liter in Ukraine because previously it was like one euro, so it's a double double the price. Uh, still, people are able to. There are a lot of cars driving around. <laughs> yeah, I mean, where do they get uh, money and fuel? I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, because I imagine. Ah, the majority of your country's workforce would have been sort of knocked out so people aren't getting paid are there like stimulus packages that the ukrainian government is giving out like how are people existing it's been a hundred days you know uh i don't know to be honest uh, I, it depends if i can say for myself i can say for people i know uh, for example i know some well, I work for IT, you know, uh, I have a stable income uh, despite the war and everything. So I, and I can work remote, so I'm lucky. My father-in-law, he has no business right now, but he has some savings. So he's spending it. I know people from Poltava, like designers and um, yeah, designers mostly, who they they also rely on donations uh, to uh, their design projects and they also s still sell something abroad. Uh, I know people from real sector of economy who, for example, made uh, some carpentry. Uh, they don't have any work right now. They are trying to, they are um, fighting for governmental orders, uh, governmental, yeah, like, um, war, job, but still no luck so they are spending they're spending their savings they are 
uh, yeah, they, they just uh, limited the spendings as much as possible and the, and they just used the resources they, they managed to to collect previously. I mean some money they have on accounts or not on accounts, uh, just as uh, the savings. Also people, uh, they have um, small gardens, so they, they cook pretty simple food, uh, but, but like uh, normal food, good, good uh, some good dishes. But if you know, Ukrainian um, cuisine is, uh, is using simil, uh, simple, simple stuff, like uh, potato, carrot, uh, uh, just some wheat uh, and you, you can cook uh, like borscht and vareniki <laughs> and then <laughs> you have something to eat and um, yeah and, and I think very important here is that for the last 30 to 40 years 30 to 40 years Ukrainians were living in a, in a turbulent uh, environment and uh, uh, I've heard from people who went through uh, financial crisis in 1990s that uh, now it's not that bad for for those who are safe for those who have at least some some funds some savings it's it's even better than it was in 1990s for, for those people on the free territory of free Ukraine uh, how people survive on occupied territories I, I don't imagine I can't even imagine some humanitarian aid uh, goes through, some not. Uh, I, I don't know. Do, do you I know? Think it's hard. Is there government stimulus? Like, are they handing out unemployment benefits and stuff? For for those uh, who are in uh, regions affected by war, yes. Okay. Also, the uh, whole country is not considered affected by war. It's it's broken down into the the regions direct, like experienced direct conflict. Yes, yes. So the the regions uh, where where direct conflict happened. I mean, for example, we have um, regions from Poltava region, for example, Kharkiv region, uh, Donetsk, Luhansk region. So Poltava region was not uh, affected. So in Poltava, people who lost their jobs, they they don't uh, receive any support from government. And I also know some uh, some companies who uh, they cannot pay uh, they cannot pay salary, but they what they do is they try to find um, food packages and and uh, f- for from donors or from uh, humanitarian aid they get these packages and then they give it to their employees. Some some companies in U- in Poltava do so. Just because I think um, truck driving is the biggest employment sector in Ukraine and uh, a lot of uh, talk is made of the giant agriculture exports that you guys have as well. I'm not sure what that, how that is reflected in this percentage of labor in the economy, but I'm just imagining that a significant proportion of the Ukrainian workforce who would already be on uh, lower incomes might not necessarily have savings to fall back on might necessarily have assets that they can sell 
not that anyone would be wanting to buy them at the moment. It's been a hundred days. It's almost been a third of a year. Um, it's, it's, I'm, I'm surprised to hear that, uh, things might not necessarily be economically that, that desperate, that the, the shelves are full, that the cost of goods hasn't skyrocketed. How do you explain all of this? Well, uh, well, the the prices, uh, to be more uh, a bit more correct, the prices are higher, much higher. For example, last uh, before the war, uh, average uh, check uh, for me when going to a supermarket was like um, five hundred or one thousand grina, uh, and now it's twice as much. I mean, thousand to 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 two thousand uh, prices are higher but uh, prices are mostly higher to products produced outside of ukraine and manufacturers inside the country they are more or less consciousness conscious i mean they then don't rise prices uh, just because they 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 can just because there's a, a opportunity for that if you had three to five or I mean ten different um, yogurts previously you have now five yogurts mostly produced in Ukraine because a lot of stuff is produced in Ukraine we have a lot of uh, milk products uh, we have a lot of uh, um, grain products uh, we have a lot of fruits vegetables uh, produced in Ukraine and uh, that makes it uh, not that expensive because we import a lot of things. Uh, for example, as you can see from fuel, price went up like two, twice as much. So, uh, yeah, I think that's because um, uh, also also because the exchange rate is regulated a bit. Uh, before war. One euro was uh, 31 grivna, now it's 36, I think. So it's a bit higher, but not dramatically high. And I think number of factors kept it uh, more or less stable. I'm not that big into uh, economic issues, uh, to be honest. So I, I wanted to return to this, and forgive me, it's a bit of a sour transition um but you've made a lot about the sort of best of humanity that you've seen can you give some examples of the worst of humanity that you have seen in the last hundred days yeah um it's not that i've seen uh, but uh There are some people who, you know, still try to... They are in minority, I would say. But uh, there are some people who were not that uh, nice before war. And uh, as it, the war... Um, it, it didn't start on, on 24th, but it got... Like, the invasion started. So... For example, someone, uh, and I feel personally ashamed for these people, uh, 
<laughs> uh, I, I even don't know many of them, but I, I heard stories from about Ukrainians who went out to Europe and they, uh, you know, they overuse the, uh, the help they receive. For example, uh, yeah, most of us are very grateful and most of us do everything to show it. Uh, but there are some people who, for example, they, they are able to pay rent, for example, and, but they still stay with the volunteers' uh, apartments somewhere. Or there are people who have funds, but they don't help, they don't support our country. That, that's so they sort of raise money, but don't spend it on what they said they would spend it on? No, I, they even... Yeah, there are such examples as well, who raise donations and then they spend it for new stuff for yeah. themselves. Yeah. That's, that's sad to see. Sad to that's hear. shocking because it, 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 it cheapens everyone else's initiative. Yes, and, and believe me, when, mm, when, when we find out these people, they <laughs> got punished. You know, they, they are... When it comes out, uh, they it it doesn't go like uh, smooth. Uh, so yeah, that that makes me feel sad, and that's why I want to to let know everyone who donates to our initiative uh, what we do, uh, what we buy, what where we spend our money for. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um. When we last spoke. Uh, it was about one or two weeks after the invasion. And um, you made the comment of how you just felt constantly every second of the day sort of checking your phone for updates. Like there were, it was impossible for anything else to be on your mind. And that was a source of an enormous fatigue. You know, it just felt like that, that constant anxiety of refreshing the, the Twitter feed to see, all right, what's happening now? Where is the, basically. Um, given it's been 100 days, what, what, is there any normalcy that's returned to your life? Or is it still just every free moment is thinking about the initiative, what's happening in Ukraine, what can, how's my family, um, yeah, I'm just trying to get a sense for, you know, like you, like how are you going? The the the, yeah. Sorry, but shockingly worded question. But I hope that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that absolutely makes sense. You see, first two months, or or I I can't even uh, tell the exact cutoff date, but um, I guess after after Russians moved. Uh, were pushed off uh, from Kiev and from Kiev region uh, and later after after they were pushed back from Suma region from uh, from a bit of from Kharkiv the way time goes inside our head for us it changed we were in a quick time quick time I don't know how to explain it. I mean, the, the time was going, it was so fooled, filled with and fueled with events that uh, it was so much information and things happening in a short t term 
uh, that uh, you couldn't just uh, stay calm and uh, don't don't check your feed uh, but since uh, I mean since since a month or more ago it, it changed a bit uh, I try to work more and uh, foc uh, focus more on um, on work uh, and on this initiative we started uh, rather than reading news uh, I try to spend like um, half an hour a day reading news and then about uh, half an hour uh, every evening watching updates uh, video updates from and comments from president from from other other guys yeah so so for me it changed a lot i don't uh, scroll all the time and i have uh, work to do i have shifts in my uh, company uh, in the company I work for uh, I have um, some changes there and also this um, initiative hoodies for goodies it m gave me some more structure in this volunteering uh, things uh, I mean I can organize it kind of uh, a certain activity and and it has some plans and it, it has some goals and it looks like a startup <laughs> it's just a startup for donations <laughs> yeah, so so yeah uh, it makes me feel better to do it uh, I don't worry about my family because they are in a safe place uh, my other family I mean my parents and my sisters and nephews and nieces they are in Poltava but it's uh, also safe now in Poltava yeah so times move time moves slowly now uh, and it's very similar to normal life uh, except uh, except you cannot forget about it uh, at all and and you don't have to and you you cannot uh, forget about it and um, yeah we should uh, speak about it and we should stay aware of what's going on mm. do you check in or do you speak much about sort of the the mental health of the people living through it in ukraine is it a topic of discussion that you're seeing on social media um i'm you know like just the a reflection of the fact that people might be on edge so much and have so much attention given to them, which is totally unnatural. Um, yeah. 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 Mostly, uh, um, I, we hear about more and more facts uh, of uh, total mental breaks. I mean, catastrophe for people who went through occupation. Uh, I can't even imagine how they feel. But the stories I hear, they make me feel desperate, angry, and, uh, and uh, just uh, helpless when you hear about the stories they tell. They, they agree to their um, ther therapists, so they, the therapists can, um, not, not call in the names, but they can share these stories. And when I hear it, especially that I have a son who is almost two years old and when I hear stories of uh, children of his age being raped 
in front of mother's eyes and she is forced to watch I don't know that um, I've cried uh, all the tears out already and um, I, I don't know how how they will live with the, all of this in, I mean those people who went through it I, I can't imagine and the, the those therapists who help them they they themselves uh, need help already and uh, it, it's so hard it's just unimaginable imaginable so yeah and and knowing this other problems for example oh i didn't see my son for months but he's safe he's okay yeah that's not a problem i mean it's all com- relative i mean okay my wife has she has to live with her mother and we didn't they didn't live together since like eight years ago and they have some conflicts like you know this um, some simple conflicts on uh, on a basic level that's just funny how, how can we even care about it i mean so and and most of people seem the same i i from people who i know they just they when he, they hear the stories from occupied territories they just everything every problem they have just become like they just become not important and also what else brings more power to to keep on doing something is stories from Azovstal i don't know i, I i'm sure you heard about Azovstal or no Azovstal was the the last uh, fortress in Mariupol Mariupol so that was uh, a big uh, old soviet uh, era plant uh, steel plant and uh, it was the last point where our soldiers uh, kept uh, the defense they were holding it for i guess for up to 80 days if i'm not mistaken We, they were absolutely encircled so they they didn't have any chance of supplies except helicopters sometimes there uh, are other crazy pilots they knew that the percentage or, or rate for successful uh, mission to go there and back is 10% it's 90% that they will be hit uh, shut down and they still go voluntarily uh, and many of them were shut down they were uh, they were shut down and they died but uh, some managed to bring um, supplies weapon and uh, take back uh, wounded uh, soldiers from there it, it was a fortress uh, so to say on on a on a on a seaside and uh, it was all surrounded and uh, as far as i know a few thousand soldiers were there along uh, together with civilians with uh, women children uh, and and old people uh, together in uh, shelters in uh, bomb shelters and the territory of azovstal was bombed by everything russians have 
I mean, uh, they they dropped bombs like five ton bomb. Can you imagine a bomb that weighs five tons? It's like I don't know. It's like yeah, it's three three of this Audi. Truck. Yeah, yeah. It's it, it's uh, and they it's a special bunker bombs uh, to destroy bunkers. And there were they they went through such uh, hell. Uh, they didn't have enough medicine, and they had to uh, uh, go through amputations without even uh, having uh, any Fucking kind of uh, any kind of anesthetic, any kind of anything. So th- they were cutting off hands and and legs just to avoid, uh, you know, death. And uh, and they were sto- they they were. Uh, st- they were uh, streaming sometimes and giving interviews from there. Can you imagine? They they did. They even managed to to tell stories how they how they do there, and uh, they said how they um, got ammunition. A couple of Ukrainian soldiers were hunting Russians around the territory of this uh, plant. Uh, few people with a uh, with a um, javelin or something similar to javelin like even a, a sim a smaller and and more not that complicated um i don't know like a bazooka I, I don't yeah know. like a bazooka yeah so say so, so two or three people with bazooka and uh, shotguns uh, running out of uh, bullets they were following armored vehicles of russians so can you imagine an armored vehicle with the 10 or 15 people on it riding away from two or three people with a bazooka and uh, and and these people are shoot down this shut down this vehicle and those um, uh, all the troops left a lot of weapons and supplies and just run away from them and these guys are happy to have this ammunition and 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 bullets and everything and 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 uh, can you imagine Th- that's how they got uh, everything so this is crazy and when i hear uh, these stories and then um, uh, for example uh, uh, i compare it to what i've gone through i've i've gone through nothing actually <laughs> to compare it to that uh, so when I need, for example, drive uh, eight hours and then uh, eight hours more because uh, to to get a car faster to Ukraine and get it to the front lines, that's that's nothing. I don't have to fight for my life. I have all my all my hands and legs with me, and 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 I didn't go through that much pain. So yeah, these stories just inspire, and and these guys are real life heroes. The, those stories are, you know, like um, the the Great War stories that are told from World War II or, or, or earlier, things that sort of live in our memory that we learn about in, in history. There's something about um, what's happening in Ukraine now, which I don't know if it's, uh, you, you have a better insight into this than I do, but is it something particular about the Ukrainian spirit or is it? just how people respond when they have all other options taken away. So for example, you know, with a lot of my mates from different countries, and I'm a bit ashamed to admit it to you, but the consensus is like, I don't know if I would do that for Australia. You know, I don't know if I would die for Australia. 
and similar sentiment is felt among the Swedes um, and the Brits that I've spoken to. And it seems like there is this level of, um, of, of patriotism and the sort of courage and, and pride in, 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 to, in being a Ukrainian that has just shocked the Russian forces completely, but then also taken a lot of the world for, uh, by surprise as well. So, I mean, is there something special about Ukraine or, or do you think it's, it's like, this is just how people react when they're given no other choice? Uh, I don't know if I can even uh, say what I think about how other other people, other nations would act in this case. I hope no one will have a uh, such situation and that there will be no cause to check it. Uh, I don't know. I actually, honestly, I don't know how would other people act. I, I don't know because... Uh, uh, I know for sure that uh, those who had previous experience of dealing with Russians, of uh, conflicts with Russians, they would fight till the end. Uh, Lithuanians, Latvians, Estonians, uh, Czech, Finns, uh, Georgians, I guess, uh, Polish people. Slovakia, all the neighboring states who know what it was like in a Soviet Union, who had previously a lot of conflicts with Russians, I think they would fight till the end, the same way as we do. That's, that's my assumption. But on the other hand, this conflict goes back to thousand years. Because... Uh, through all, all of the history, Russians steal uh, from Ukraine uh, everything, even the name. But uh, for how, how can you uh, how can you rule a country which is called which is called in uh, in uh, which was originally founded uh, from a capital of another country? So. Uh, for normal people, there's no problem. I mean, uh, f- but when you rule it in, in a, as an autocrat, uh, when you rule as a dictator, you need this uh, place of power to be captured. And f- through all of the history, they were trying to control Kiev. They were trying to, they were trying to just erase Ukrainian language, Ukrainian history. Uh, if if you look, I I can send you over if you want. There are some like uh, studies on this on this uh, confirming that there were so, so many um, laws by Russian Empire by Soviet Union, and it fueled it fueled uh, negative uh, negativity between our nations, and uh, but Ukrainians they are we are very very calm and we are very very um, how do you say it um well easy going we're not uh, we're not uh, we, we don't like to be in a quarrel or in a conflict with someone so uh, w- in some sort it's a bad uh, a bad uh, quality because we can uh, we can stay 
we can stay uh, calm uh, when we get um, something bad in our in our uh, we got uh, like they they do something bad to us and we don't respond because we we say okay it's not that bad we can live with it and and but still we remain our uh, inner inner self we, we don't we don't become russians even though they try to do it for centuries and then terpinya uh, um, i don't know how it's uh, I, i can i can just uh, get this uh, with the english word uh, calm, not calm patience yeah we are very patient and 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 at some point this patience uh, it just ends and um, mm, how to say yeah well, so what's at, in, what's in, at the other end of patience like resistance or uh, uh, well when uh, can you know this type of person who is calm and patient and 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 quiet and but just normal guy like in school there's just normal guy who who, who is well fit who is well fit but he he's he's doing minding his own business he's not he's not into any quarrels or or w- with someone else and there's always a bully 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 who is who is who is ticking him and who is ticking everyone else and this calm guy he will just stay stay quiet just a second uh, he will stay calm uh, but at some point he will just quietly come over to that bully and and smash his head with a, you know with a with a stone and that's all and that that's how it ends so you're saying ukraine is the is the quiet kid yeah ukraine is the quiet kid but but when you the quiet kid runs out of uh, of this um, patience patience Uh, this quiet kid will co- quietly uh, just uh, destroy enemy that's all and and the the difference also the difference between russians and ukrainians i don't know if you saw these funny videos when on russian streets uh, someone says hey uh, do you love russia yes yes i love russia and what can you do for your country i will do everything i will die for my country Okay then mm, we have a list uh, of uh, patriots uh, and in case of uh, of war we will uh, uh, call these uh, people on this list uh, to be the first volunteers to go for th- to war and uh, do you mind uh, placing your name on this list <laughs> and he says oh no sorry i i got to go <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then and then it was so fun to to watch this but then someone tried to remake it in ukraine and, and it was interesting what will happen then and uh, in ukraine the responses were not that emotional they say hey what do, what can you do for ukraine and uh, and these guys asked uh, what, what do i have to do i mean like i, I will do what i can uh, like they didn't didn't do like the, i will die for you sure i will yeah. do everything they don't show off they just say yeah well i i will do what i can um and then they ask oh, so we have a list uh, to to go to army are you ready and most of them they just like hmm well okay 
okay, I will go. If if it's necessary, I will go. Mm. So um, it's it's more like a being of um, word and action, being aligned. What what you say and what you do is aligned, mm. uh, and it it feels bad. Authenticity, skin in the game. Yeah, yeah. You you, you keep it keep keep your word what yeah. you say that you do the same that's that's something that ukrainians uh, most of ukrainians do of, of course there are people who are like you know this some minority who is not fitting in the general um, portrait yeah. yeah but yeah mostly well you know Every time I tune in to some sort of media to do with Ukraine, the message is consistent that people are blown away by the Ukrainian resilience and absolutely in awe of the sort of courage that regular Ukrainians are showing against what was at first perceived as the stronger force, the Russian army, perhaps now might be proven to in fact be the inferior force. Um, but I don't know if it is something exceptional about Ukraine, uh, whether it's the fact that in your, you know, in only in one or two generations above you, you know, these, your family had to endure similar, um, similarly horrific, uh, circumstances. And maybe there's something to be said about that for, you know, as an Australian, my great grandfather served in a war, but, my father and my grandfather haven't and we've never had to experience national conflict you know conflict on a stage that's bigger than just individual with another person um and so i don't know maybe that is something there is something exceptional about uh the ukrainian culture but uh you know you can you can yeah, i'm sure you've seen this as well but it's being celebrated uh pretty pretty consistently which is a pretty amazing thing and and so that brings me to um the final question, which is, how do you see um, Ukraine? What does Ukraine look like once you get through this? And, and how do you see yourself getting through it as well? Um, you know, you're probably as best informed as anyone is because you're in the country consistently speaking to people that are actually uh, the ones receiving the information. So how does Ukraine get through it? Do you get through it? What does it look like on the other end? Um, you know, wh- how do you? How are you thinking about all that? Uh, before jumping on, th- thank you for the question. Uh, before jumping on it, I was just I just got some interesting fact uh, to your previous question. Uh, do you know this uh, strategic game, Cossacks? No. 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 Uh, Cossacks. So Cossacks. Maybe it's called something else. Uh, yeah, maybe it's called something else uh, in in your market. Let, let me let me look it up. How do you spell it? Cossacks. K- okay. Cossacks video S. game. Okay. Uh, Cossacks no, video never game. Never played it, but it looks like. Fuck. It's what a was very that game called? Like a, a military strategy game. Um, yeah, a military strategy yeah, game. World of it, Warcraft before it was the similar, very similar to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like World of Age of Empires. That's one. Age of Empires. Yes. Yes. Very similar. So the point is this: in this uh, game, you can choose a different nation and play for uh, Germans, for French, for uh, English, for Ukrainian, for uh, 
all the variety of nations you can choose any nation and then you build your build up your city you build up your army and then you you attack neighbors and so as it was in the middle age and the funny thing about ukraine because every country has some kind of a special um, qualities and in ukrainian ukrainians they uh, they were this the only uh, nation in this uh, game where uh, the, the, you have units who are uh, just uh, uh, civil uh, units, uh, just uh, farmers, and you have uh, warriors, you have uh, uh, all kinds of warriors there. But the only nation who, uh, whose uh, farmers, they don't give up when there's no warrior around it so for example you are invading ukraine in this game and you killed all the army and then uh, you come to the field and there are farmers and farmers will start fighting uh, your army in any other country uh, it wasn't possible in any other country when you killed all the army farmers automatically they changed the flag and they become your farmers and they started to bring you uh, the uh, all the food and everything but ukrainian farmers will fight and die and eventually you will just wipe out all the population but you can you curiously, can wipe out everyone but do they and this is probably the, the heart of the question do they fight till the end because they love ukraine or do they fight to the end because that's a part of being a Ukrainian? It's a it's in the culture that you never ever give up, and your word is your absolute bond. So, is it a patriotism or is it a cultural reason that Ukraine has just been so resistant? Uh, it's it's it consists of different layers. At the bottom, there's a cultural line. Uh, so, and now we're switching to your last question. What will happen with Ukraine? What I think? I think that in the future, Ukraine will be a country of... Uh, there's a, there's this name, uh, Kurkul. Kurkul is how uh, Russians called uh, wealthy, wealthy farmers in Ukraine. Ukraine originally uh, consisted of... Uh, many 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 independent uh, farmers many many independent businessmen so uh, people lived in a small communities and every community was independent and uh, every community was wealthy and the uh, soviet soviet uh, government when in 1930s in the beginning of 1930s there was this uh, genocide uh, where uh, where it, it was artificial starving uh, of uh, of people in Ukraine. So what they did, they every independent uh, farmer, uh, they took away all the uh, all the um, assets from them, and they called them kurkuli. Kurkuli was a bad word. It's it's like it's, it it meant it meant someone who is uh, 
uh, wealthy and who doesn't want to share with others basically it's uh, just a, a successful successful uh, businessman i would say or successful farmer uh, who who does who, who minds his own business and who doesn't want anyone else to interfere in it who who trades uh, fair but uh, he, he has his own for example even some kind of security or something so in future i think ukraine will be a country of kurkuli it's a country of uh, small and medium businesses Uh, a lot of small and medium businesses who will be wealthy who will be uh, very um, um, mod- modest uh, very um, uh, yeah, humble modest well, uh, um, um, open hearted uh, very um, ready to share with others because they will be wealthy themselves because it's in it's in the nature of uh, of Ukrainians to to work and to 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 get better house, better car, better everything and then we are also very open to sharing it with our neighbors and with our friends. But also these people, these small and medium businesses, uh, they will all uh, armored as hell. <laughs> they will have they will have all sorts of uh, affordable all sorts of legal weapons possible and and f- I, i i can say for myself i will have a house with uh, you know with uh, with a lot of guns and 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 and, and i will have a safe place in this house and and i hope it will never be used but uh, same for my friends will As, uh, as soon as we can, we will uh, get all kind of uh, means to protect ourselves. So, so, so uh, answering your questions, why this happens? Uh, for example, in that game, that, uh, that feature is available not just because developers wanted to do so. It's, it's based on facts, on, on historical facts. Uh, and mm, and on the other hand all other nations had uh, there's there's a, uh, an upgrade um, upgrade for 18th century where you get better equipment you get better science and everything ukraine didn't have that because uh, in the 18th century uh, it was not independent and it didn't have all that kind of uh, privilege of uh, better science and everything so uh, yeah So that that that's also some historical historical thing about it. So I I I'm, I think when we finish, when we win, we will rebuild slowly. It will take years to rebuild everything, and I think uh, it will take decades to build up a strong economy. But uh, everyone will work on it and. Uh, And living in Europe showed that, uh, um, you know, because it was a common uh, thought uh, between uh, among Ukrainians that Europe is kind of a, um, a heaven. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's a perfect place where everything 
everything works and, and you have a good medicine and you have everything you have and banks work but in reality uh, Europe is a perfect place yes and I love uh, Europe and uh, all the countries that support Ukraine and, and the people of Ukraine I'm very grateful for, for it but in reality it comes out that um, it kind of uh, everything kind of uh, works in Europe but you cannot solve uh, fast uh, any of your issues here um, and in Ukraine on the other hand it kind of uh, doesn't work but you can solve anything yeah <laughs> uh, it, it's it's a strange uh, but it's true for example uh, you want to go to visit a doctor for Ukrainians it's uh, use, used um, practice uh, when you have your own doctor uh, in a chat you just chat a doctor and they respond to you instantly and if you feel bad that they, you need to come and visit you usually book a visit for the same day in a few hours and you go and visit your doctor uh, here my colleague went to Sweden for example and she was like I feel very bad I need to go to hospital and she's going to the hospital hi and they say can you eat and she say yes can you drink yes can you breathe yes uh, so you're okay <laughs> Jeez, yeah but don't compare it to the Swedish system man <laughs> no I, I'm not saying it's it's bad I I, I see it's it's uh, in a some sort some way it's logical you don't have to overcrowd the hospitals and you don't have to visit it too often but um, it's just something yeah, yeah, yeah. but different. isn't that I mean that's like to me, that sounds like the um, trappings of a developing nation. You know, you get to you get to maybe cut the bureaucratic corners that you can't just cut in Sweden. You know, they just will not, no matter how rich or powerful you are, these bureaucratic processes exist for you as well. What about with Ukraine, the fact that before the war, there was extraordinary levels of political corruption and as well, a very... Um, present you know oligarchic class um you know the, the 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 problem of oligarchs isn't exclusive to russia they're in a lot of the former soviet union elsewhere as well do you think that what uh, ukraine is going through now ha will maybe level out their influence in the society that perhaps ukraine might be more united to therefore maybe um stomp out less corruption and hope and maybe the oligarchs as well perhaps might lose some of their power and influence do you think this conflict will maybe create a more fair ukraine less corrupt i hope so and and most of people i i i know and most of people i i listen to or hear some you know we have a special um, there's a Ukrainian National Anti-Corruption Committee. Uh, they run uh, every few weeks, every week they run a video interview with the local um, um, thought leaders, mind leader, um, leaders of thought leaders. Yeah, of, thought leaders. Well, thought leaders. Yeah, so they run this uh, long interviews discussing the uh, future of Ukraine, what shifts happened and um, and now and and what future is waiting for us and everyone says that uh, the biggest fear for everyone in ukraine is that we go back to the same uh, corruption after the war as for today uh, every oligarch every 
every person in Ukraine have the same, almost the same uh, rules, almost the same conditions. And if you had, if you had a lot of money before the war, it doesn't matter right now. And you can use the same opportunity. If you if you had nothing, if you were broke, you have the same opportunity as everyone else, and you can start a business. You can start. You can go to, uh, to for for a new job. You can. So there are tons of opportunities uh, that will open for everyone in Ukraine. And this, uh, in some sort, it lined, uh, aligned uh, this. You don't have this big um, split gap between uh, lower class and high class. Most, more or less, we're all in the middle class right now. So I hope it will remain the same, and uh, and I really think uh, it will change a lot of uh, people's minds and and tolerance to corruption. And uh, it, it I I hope it will change. And interesting also what I noticed that uh, we are a bit of idealists. Uh, Ukrainians are a bit idealists when we speak about uh, something that we don't like. For example, there were so much bureaucracy in uh, governmental services. You had to go somewhere, take a passport, then take this uh, paper from one department, go to another department. You need, you need to uh, bureaucratic visits. You have to stay in a queue. You have to, and now it's all it's all over here. I have a governmental uh, app. I have uh, I have my passport. I have my vaccination certificate. I have my uh, private uh, company uh, details here. I can pay taxes from here. I can uh, I can ask for all kinds of documents from here. For example, if I need uh, for to for for travel inside the country, I can show my driving license over here. Here's vaccination certificate. I don't know if you can see it. I, I have everything in 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 a in a click of a finger. I can solve a lot of issues here, and uh, this is something impossible in Europe. And and also we have a very, very uh, modern banking, uh, also mobile banking, uh, which is also uh, comparing to what we have here. Uh, my, my family has here in northern Italy. It's it's just <laughs> crazy. Yeah, Italy, Italy could be the last uh, to move into mobile services. Yeah, um, yeah. But I, 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 to, to, to echo your point of how perhaps Ukrainian income distribution could flatten out and there could be less corruption, I, I can actually see it really happening as well because, you know, name a more popular leader in the world than Zelensky right now. So internationally, extremely popular. Domestically, uh, you can confirm whether this is true or not, but domestically, we get the sense that he's extremely popular. Um, so the reason why beforehand he might have been susceptible to corruption is simply because he didn't have the power to say no, or he didn't have the influence to sort of leverage it over them. But if you come out on the other side of this conflict, this war, Zelensky's still around, he's still in power. You'd have to have some serious leverage to get anything over him since he really truly has the support of his whole country, the international community. And so I can just see 
purely off that fact alone, if the man wants reform, the man can get it. He's popular enough. And from all signals, it looks like he's, uh, he wants that as well. Um, so yeah, maybe it could be extremely optimistic times, but how do you see the war progressing? So we're a hundred days into it now. Um, I understand that you're totally resolute that Ukraine will win, but how do you see that win eventuating? What happens between now and the end and when does it end? And I know you don't know this question. No one knows the answers to this question, but how do you see it given the conversations you're having with fellow Ukrainians? Uh, just one small remark about Zelensky. You are right. He has a lot of support inside, and he has a lot of uh, power right now, and he has support of international support, and he has uh, expectations for him are also very high. And uh, you see, we are uh, we are expecting a lot from him, mm. and if he does not fulfill that expectations. Uh, the love of of nation will quickly change for not love <laughs> so <laughs> yes yeah, so because um yeah uh, i think there are there are some some groups of uh, players inside the politicum of ukraine right now and uh, in my opinion one of the possible leaders who might also He's in the Lensky team, but he might be individual player later as well. He shows a lot of, um, he gains a lot of credits for what he does. He's a minister of, uh, um, trans- minister of digital transformation, Fedorov. He's doing uh, awesome things. He, so I think if, if he stays in the team uh, and if they work together closely, I, I hope they will manage to to do a lot of reforms and uh, people will support it but but if Zelensky uh, I hope it, it I hope it doesn't happen but happen but we always prepare for worse so if Zelensky is will do something negative after a war ends he will be quickly uh, removed as a president and someone else more eligible will be chosen mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that, that's just a small remark for to your comment. And and about the war, I'm listening to all, all kind of analysts. Uh, I'm not a, a war expert myself, but as it looks, and what people say, and what I hear is that we now we have some uh, Western weapons uh, already at the battlefield. Um, even without that weapons, we managed to uh, move Russians from Kiev region. But now with these weapons, we are able to more or less stabilize the front line and and uh, to avoid Russian ad- advances into our territory. So what else will happen is that more weapons will arrive, more long-range artillery will arrive, because now uh, they can hit for 40 kilometers and we can hit for 40 kilometers. But they have... They outnumber our artillery with their artillery in, in like, in, in many times. And like, if we have one, they have ten. 
guns, uh, long range uh, guns. And now, as we expect arriving from the US and from UK as well, long range artillery uh, that will hit for 70 kilometers. This will give us an advantage and we will be able to hit back without risking our artillery and our people. And we will be able to shoot at their uh, supply supply uh, supplies they are they are like back of their army uh, like um yeah we will be able to to stop their invasion completely when these weapons arrive and they should arrive like i don't know by the end of june i think or Maybe. or somewhere in july it takes a lot of time uh, for delivery and as soon as this shift will happen, I hope we will start to deoccupy our territories. But as you, it's, it's pretty logical to assume that for 90 days they had a chance to, you know, to make some kind of preparations to defend uh, the territories they were able to occupy. So it will not go fast. Uh, I hope that till the end of this year we will see some good progress in Donbass region and probably Crimea I don't know but uh, yeah I'm not sure about it and I'm not a war expert so it's it's my word is just word of a civilian mm. yeah but also you know you're as informed as anyone else might be um, and all the prominent political commentators you know they're, they're going to revise their statements about 20 times between now and the end so it is anyone's best guess but um i'm just curious to see how you're thinking about it and so you think perhaps this will not resolve itself within the year it might end up dragging on for a longer time i think yes and from based on what i hear from people who are there at the front lines uh, they say uh, it's not so fast and and you cannot move fast there and we we showed Ukrainian army showed a good progress because uh, our progress was measured in uh, terms how fast they invade and how fast we can stop them, how how efficient we can stop them but now uh, the to to attack uh, it will not be that fast and we also cannot uh, shell our cities with our citizens there uh, what they did to Mariupol they just shelled everything and then therefore they advanced fast and, and even even in this case they didn't go fast um, city city fights are the most uh, difficult ones and the most bloody fights possible it's you you have to fight for every single street every single building and it's take a lot of time for it so i don't think we will progress like fantastically fast like in a month or so i expect that uh, till the end of this year we will show at least some progress and we will uh, at least deoccupy Kherson and then something else i don't know yeah but it can it can last long yeah i i interviewed a guy called michael hilliard who's a geopolitical analyst on this um podcast and he said that same points that you just made that um the warfare the city fighting in a city 
um, is the hardest and the most um, and the most deadly. And he said that the Russian army might not be capable of actually uh, winning that fight against the Ukrainian army. But what they can do is what he called the car park strategy, like in Mariupol. They can just flatten every single building and then drive through. And that is obviously, you know, the worst case outcome because that's how all the civilians get roped up into it. Um, but yeah. So. Yeah, and we cannot uh, apply the same tactics. So what we will have to do is we will have to act smarter and, and, and we have to act more carefully. Because and and I expect very bad things from Russians when they will go back, and they will they will just destroy all the possible uh, sources of supply, as they did, as they did in uh, in every war they mm. participated. Yeah. Uh, for example, me me being from Poltava, uh, you know about Poltava battle between uh, Sweden and Russian Empire. So uh, you assume too much of me. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, you don't, you don't. No, no, no. Well, there are stories that are coming back from that times that Russian army it was uh, it was supported uh, first it was supported by um, Ukrainian ruler Mazepa and uh, but he knew what's going to happen if uh, Russians win. So at the end of the day he switched for Swedish because Swedes uh, promised uh, independence to Ukraine in, 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 as a part of uh, Sweden kingdom, Swedish kingdom, but independence. So he, uh, at the end, he switched the side for Swedish. But unfortunately, Sweden army lost to Russian army. And uh, when Russian army, uh, before the battle, when Russian army was uh, going back, they left just everything burned out after themselves in order to not leave any supplies for Swedish army so the same I expect they they will do here they will they will probably kill a lot of civilians they will probably burn uh, fields they will they will just uh, I don't know they will they they will just destroy everything that's uh, what I'm afraid of I suppose hope has nothing to do with it, but let's hope that doesn't uh, happen. But um, look, um, I'm really happy that to hear that the family's doing well and that you're also considering the circumstances doing well. And I really appreciate you giving me some of your time today. And uh, really, I am uh, I'm in admiration of um, what you're doing um, throughout all of the, you know, the horror and chaos. And, um, so yeah, there's that, um, it's really, really impressive, you know, what you're doing and, um, maybe you should tell the audience, there will be links to the various socials where they can get the limited edition hoodies. Um, but you should also just tell them once again, where to find it and also what it's going to go towards. So what their money is going to buy. Sure, thank you very much, Ryan. Thank you for supporting this initiative, for spreading the word about Ukraine. Uh, yeah, speaking about our initiative, it's called Hoodies for Goodies. So be a goodie, get a hoodie for 
<laughs> for yet a nation. Uh, it works like that. We get uh, requests from directly from people we know who are the fr are at the front lines. Uh, they request. Uh, often uh, those are uh, four by four vehicles or drones or uh, thermal vision devices, thermal scopes. Uh, we get these requests and we collect donations and we uh, deliver this uh, equipment directly to end users and we report it. Uh, you can get all the details on my Instagram. Uh, this month, the last month's hoodies are almost all sold out. We just got a one or two. Uh, but in June we'll start a new design and new campaign and we will collect uh, more donations. You can already uh, start and donate. Uh, depending on size of your donations, you will get hoodie, t-shirt or banded shopper bag. Uh, to get a hoodie, uh, we mm, ask for a donation of at least 200 euro. Uh, in this way, we will cover costs for local manufacturer uh, on the minimal price and also be able to donate uh, at least 150 will go to, to donations. So uh, for t-shirt it's 100 euro and for shopper bag it's 50 euro. Everything that comes less than 50 euro is very much appreciated as well and we will send out postcards with uh, sticker packs uh, I, I, I will show you later so we have a uh, branded sticker packs you can use it on your computer or anywhere, perfect, like perfect. great stuff man um, thank you again thank you very much thank you it was really uh, nice to talk to someone uh, who can share this uh, uh, with the world because you know the more we speak, the more uh, we are focused on this uh, yeah, problem. Absolutely. Sorry for the background noise. So sorry about all the ambient noise there. Alexander is uh, very, very busy, right? And he's always on the move. So it makes sense that um, I caught him in, uh, in a public place. And, you know, uh, he still gave all that time, uh, which was, you know, so generous, so amazing. Um, he doesn't necessarily have the freedom to just find quiet spaces these days. And I think his uh, story is uh, it's likely very common uh, throughout Ukraine at the moment. Just a regular person who has now gone into overdrive. They keep up their current job, so they make sure they still get the bills paid. But then all the other time is spent on volunteering organizations, helping out other people, organizing things within their own direct community. And it sounds like his community in Poltova have done um, many remarkable things. And so this initiative that Alexander is doing now with limited edition merch is just fucking genius. I'm sure you'll agree with me. I hope you all go out, as many as you as possible, and get those limited edition jumpers I've got a feeling this will become um, quite a big campaign and so you'll have a lot of signaling value if you can get on one of these earlier uh, jumpers. But anyway, thank you so much for listening and um, please do consider leaving something with Alexander. If um, donating money doesn't feel right to you, I completely understand and get it. Um, but maybe just follow him on Instagram and offer the support um, other ways uh, that you can as well because... It's uh, completely a wild thing that's happening over there. You know, Alexander is a guy exactly like you and me. Yet he happened to live in a country that got invaded by people who unfortunately don't have much of a say in their own lives. I'm speaking about the Russian military here, but who knows? Such a complicated and dark hole uh, to try and uh, figure out. So I'm not casting any judgment there, but um, do consider helping out Alexander. Thank you so much for listening so far. 
And um, of course, what is my ambition for this podcast? I don't think I need to say on this one, guys. Um, if you listen to any other podcast, you'll hear me explain it there. Um, but I don't feel like it's... Maybe it's, it feels inappropriate to shill it here now. But anyway, thank you so much. Please tune in for the next few episodes. I've got some bangers coming. All the best. Bye-bye.